JT, we're inching closer and closer to episode 40 of this show. And I always think back to our humble beginnings. Actually, right here in this apartment. We were sitting on the floor, huddled around a coffee table because we had no chairs to sit in. And uh, look where we're at now. We're here sitting at a dining room table. You saying that's an upgrade? Well, I mean, it could a be worse. upgrade. We've kind of bounced around between here and Saratoga, between the suites, the Journey House. Journey House, too, a little bit, and yeah. Now we're, we're back here, but it's been quite a journey. And OOB, speaking of OOB, how we got started, uh, its birthday's coming up in a few months. So yeah, it is. That's pretty exciting. And we'll be celebrating that with uh, a big bang. Oh, yeah. And 39 episodes in, uh, we appreciate our loyal fan base for sticking with us so far. And we're excited to bring, hopefully, uh, some new content and uh, hopefully some new stuff uh, in the near future. So we'll definitely yeah. keep you posted on that. But anyway, Dylan, how was your week? It was good. It was good. We were quite busy at work and with you know the marathon that happened this past weekend. We had a lot of marathon participants who showed up to Disney Vacation Club wanting to learn more. So we... We're very, very busy at the preview centers, and, you know, I've just been kind of staying busy with this, you know, get, catching up on the sports news and catching up with my Predators, which we'll talk about them later on in the show. Also, I have a special guest calling in during our, our Predators slash Capitals update to uh, speak with us then, so that'll be great. It's, a, it's a, an old friend that we haven't heard from for a while, so can't wait for you guys to hear him. Uh, JT, how's your week been, sir? It's been pretty uh, busy, Dylan. Uh, bounce around as always between Disney Vacation Club and Under Armour. Uh, I started my coordinating training at DVC this Look week. At you. So that's Look at very you. exciting. And I'm going to go see uh, Black Panther tonight. Oh. Wakanda Forever. So very excited about that. Uh, but besides that, it's been a very, very exciting week for me, Dylan. Good. We're almost done. It's the last day in February. So I know. Let's finish strong, and, you know, it's going to be March, spring break. <laughs> Time flies. A month before Easter, so, yeah, yeah lots of stuff going to be happening within the next month, man. Time flies. No spring break for us, though, so you will not, we will not have a week vacation. We, we won't, because we we'll, we'll be here. Be here. <laughs> we'll be here. This is our week vacation. Everybody's coming here to Orlando here. for yeah. no spring break. So we, we work during spring break. We have really weird vacation time, so <laughs> expect us to be on the, on the airwaves uh, during spring break. But anyway... Let's dive right on into right on into these news uh, and sports this week. Talking about the Winter Olympics first because the closing ceremonies just happened a few days ago, and um, the United States actually powered back in the medal count in the in the past week. Actually, um, one of the biggest news stories coming out of the Olympics for the United States was the U.S. men's curling team, Team Schuster, the uh, rejects they call themselves. They came in and they they were two and four coming into the playoffs because they had the round robin play. They were two and four in that play, but then they just dominated everybody. They dominated Canada. They dominated everyone, just absolutely everybody that, that stood in their path, and they got the gold medal. It was an absolutely incredible game. If you didn't see it, go watch the replay because they they powered back and they definitely brought it home for the United States. Yeah, Dylan, the, the, you're talking about the curling, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was an epic match. Uh, and I know, Dylan, you love curling. And oh, it's my favorite sport. Even though a lot of us Americans don't understand it, but 
if you're Canadian, please send us on Twitter page and explain curling for us. But a lot of Americans for curling, that's like the most popular sport we all get drawn to. And I did watch some curling and during the Olympics and curling for the U.S. men's. I mean, uh, congrats to those guys working hard to come back and win that first ever gold medal. So that was very exciting for those guys. Speaking of the men's curling team, they were flying back on Delta to the United States from Pyeongchang. And the curling, the national curling team Twitter account actually tweeted at Delta saying, hey, uh, Team Schuster's going to be on your flight. Any upgrades? Yeah, I saw that. Just to, you know, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Delta came back and said they did not have upgrades available. Um, they did, you know, accept to feet very well. They said, thank you for as uh, thank you for the well wishes and checking into it. I'm sure it'll be a smooth ride home. But I, I have a feeling there's going to be an airline out there, if not Delta, because the story came out. If not Delta, someone else. Giving them an upgrade next time they fly because, I mean... It's the American curling team. I mean, come on. Uh, if, if you didn't have an upgrade, you push somebody out of the upgrade for them to get that upgrade because they definitely deserve it. And, I mean, if somebody had a problem with it, you just show them the gold medal. That's all you got to do. That's, that's the, uh, the bling of the century right there. So, moving on to hockey, the men's hockey team, the Olympic athletes of Russia, actually won the gold medal in hockey. Fantastic game there. And uh, they continue their dominance in the sport, in the Olympic sport, that is. Well, to be fair, Dylan, the hockey team for the Olympics, it's not. we didn't have the NHL players. So a lot of the teams had sent their young, like the world championship teams, basically, that would have been playing the tournament in a couple months in May. And they sent some young, or young prospects from like the junior hockey leagues and some of the European leagues. So... And as you saw for the U.S. men we talked about last week, they basically had a team of former NHL players, free agents, college players, and minor league players. So Russia was the clear favorites. I'm sorry, Olympic athletes of Russia. <laughs> and when you have players like Pavel Datsuk on your team and Ilya Kovalchuk, I mean, come on. I mean, it was a no-brainer. And I was surprised about the Germans. You know, the Germans have a really good uh, youth hockey team that they've had in the championships give the Olympics of Russia a run for their money. They were really pushing it in that game, and they had to, the Russians had to hang on to win that game 4-3. Uh, I'm sure Ovechkin's bummed that he wasn't there. I'm sure he, I'm sure he is, but, too. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he's happy internally that Russia at least came out on top with something. Yeah. So, we'll see. For Russia, they got the World Championships. Uh, hopefully, Ovechkin will not have to go there. Our Capitals will make it deeper in the playoffs. But uh, they got that going on in the next couple months in May. And then, of course, we have the World Cup of Hockey. That's going to be, uh, I think, in 2020 or 2021. It's going to be coming up pretty soon. And then, of course, the next Olympics will be in 2022. In Beijing. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good Olympics right there. I, I, I'm excited. It's kind of like watching the the Olympics when they were in... What was the last Olympics we had in China? 2008. That was the summer. That's it. And those opening ceremonies were phenomenal. The, the the production quality, the the choreography, everything about it, the elegance, it was phenomenal. I can't wait to see it in Beijing because I'm sure they will put on a very, very good show um, for the entire Olympics, the entire run of the Olympics um, in 2022. So the medal count, talking about the final medal count, Norway ran away with this Olympics with 39 medals. They were leading the entire time, I believe. Not surprising. 
So they got 14 gold medals, 14 silver, and 11 bronze. Germany came in second with 31 medals. Canada came in 29th with... Uh, it came in third, I'm sorry, with 29 medals. And um, United States actually came in fourth, which is surprising, actually, because we were pretty far down on the totem pole going into the last week. We roared back and got 23 medals in these games. So congratulations for getting those medals because, I mean, I wouldn't have seen us getting in the top five as easily as we did because I, I just I just don't think the Winter Olympics are our sport is it like all the sports that are in the winter Olympics. I don't think the United States excels at, you know what I mean? I mean, they're not raised on ice like these players in Norway and Germany. And I don't know. Um, it just seems like we're more of a summer Olympics country, but that's just me. So that's our Olympic news coverage of the week. Moving on to the NFL. We're going to talk about some, some things going on there. The chiefs, Traded Marcus Peters to the Los Angeles Rams. How do you think he's going to affect the Rams going on, uh, moving on in the future? Well, Dylan, for Marcus Peters, uh, it sounded like to me from listening to uh, his post comments after he finally was getting traded, he wasn't surprised. I think I found it funny because imagine, Dylan, if the Rams were still in St. Louis, you're basically trading him across the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kansas pretty much. City to St. Louis, but they're not there anymore. They're in L.A., so... Uh, but Marcus Peters, he's saying, you know, I'm very excited having my new opportunity in, in, um, with the L.A. Rams. And I think it was a money issue. That's why he got traded. But at the same time, the Rams will be playing the Chiefs this upcoming season. I don't know when the NFL schedule is coming out, but they're going to play each other. So he said, I'm going to be excited because I'm going to go back there and get back at the Chiefs for getting rid of me. So he sounds pretty pumped up about that. Yeah, and he had five interceptions last season, 46 combined tackles, four assists. Um, and 137 yards on those interceptions as well. So, I mean, he's a good player. I think that he's going to add a lot of depth to the Los Angeles Rams, and their defense is going to get even deadlier come up this season. But at a certain point, I guess, for the Chiefs, it just wasn't worth the trouble having Marcus Peters in the lineup and worrying about his contract and all that kind of stuff. So they decided to trade him over to um, the L.A. Rams. So congratulations to Marcus Peters for, granting, uh, for landing a contract there. And hopefully he gets some success while he's there in Los Angeles. Now the NFL also wants to fine Jerry Jones about $2 million. Tell us more about that, JT. Yeah, the NFL apparently is seeking fees for Jerry Jones for the situation, what happened with the running back, Ezekiel Elliott, with the whole suspension. And, of course, you know, Roger, Roger Goodell. Jerry Jones was trying to stop Roger Goodell's contract extension and was threatening a lawsuit. And we all know how that played out when the NFL owners were putting a clause in the contract where they could basically take Jerry Jones' this team away and force a sale. And once Jerry Jones saw that, he's like, oh, heck no, this is not happening. I'm not going to lose my Cowboys. Nope. So he backed down, and now the NFL wants their money. So he's going to fight it out. Not sure how it's going to play out, Dylan, but Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell, I mean, we all know they don't get along. Just like Rob Kraft and Roger Goodell don't seem to get along. And the Saints, obviously, we know they don't like the NFL right now. So, you know, the NFL's got some fires to put out, like U.S. soccer right now. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I don't expect, Dylan, this drama between Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell, that whatever beef they have, is going to end anytime soon. It's not going to. I mean, Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell constantly have beef. Then Robert Kraft and Roger Goodell also have beef. So I'm really surprised that they actually 
decided to sign him to an extension as the commissioner. I really am. I think that Jerry Jones and and Robert Kraft hold a lot of a lot of weight when it comes to the conversation in the owners' meetings. So I'm really surprised that they decided to go with that contract extension and not try to find somebody else. But, I mean, hey, it's, it's already happened. He's going to be here for several more years. So, I mean, I guess they got to kind of, you know, swallow their pride and go with it. But I, I don't think it's going to be a quiet few years from Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. I believe they're going to be speaking their mind every chance they get and scrutinizing the commissioner every chance they can um, and I, I think that's the perfect way for them to go forward if they, if they actually do want him to get out after his extension. So we'll see if Roger Goodell will last long in the NFL after his extension. And last but not least, the former Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater will test the free agent market next month. So in terms of teams looking for quarterbacks, there's not many right now that are actually looking for a solid starting quarterback. In my opinion, I believe, if Teddy Bridgewater gets offered even a backup position, I still think Teddy Bridgewater might even consider that and might just go to a team to be a backup. Because at a certain point, he he can definitely challenge a starter for their position. I, I believe so. I think he, he's a, a raw enough talent, and he has a lot of skill at the position. And from the times we've seen him on the field, he can put together a very solid game. So... We'll see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater, but let's talk about possible suitors for Bridgewater um, coming up next year. So what teams out there, JT, do you see possibly vying for the skill and the expertise that Teddy Bridgewater has? Well, <clears throat> to be fair, Dylan, I think what's that's going to depend on what happens with Kirk Cousins. The Vikings, who last we heard are making a, a real push to try to get him from Washington, if they can work that out, then I think Teddy Bridgewater could be the next quarterback in line to get a, a big contract. And there's going to be teams looking for quarterbacks. As we mentioned the past few weeks, the Broncos, the Jets, maybe the Bills, who knows, maybe Washington. But there's going to be teams looking for quarterbacks. Now, I agree with you, Dylan. I think... Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, I think the best case scenario for him, for me, would be if he takes, if he doesn't get that big offer from something, or he's going to be a guaranteed starter, maybe he should look into maybe a backup role like the Colts. He should. Or maybe the Texans. Or the Broncos. You know? I mean, the Broncos are trying to get a, a starting quarterback as well, because Paxton Lynch and, and uh, maybe the Jaguars. Trevor Simeon were not good fits in Denver. I mean, you can see that over the past two years, that team has been in constant decline, and it's not because of their defense. Their defense is still good. Von Miller's still there. Aqib Talib was still there, too. So I, I think that with that team, I think they, they need to look at quarterback options and bringing in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who, although he has a small sample size of of tape in the NFL, I still think he has enough skill to compete for a starting quarterback position somewhere. So I think Denver would be a really good landing spot for him. And I mean, like, like you said in Jacksonville, having him as the backup quarterback to Blake Bortles, I mean, that's an option too. They have Chad Henney right now as the backup quarterback there. So do they want the experience of Chad Henney or do they think they need to go somewhere else? And I, I think at this point, I mean, if Teddy Bridgewater is on the market and they can get him for a good price, then I don't know why you wouldn't try to get Teddy Bridgewater in your system. Uh, I think there are several teams that feel that way, that, that would rather have a guy come in that might have a little bit of raw talent that could actually bring something to that team. So if a quarterback goes down, then he can go straight into the 
straight into the huddle and be a flawless transition, kind of like what it was in Philadelphia with Nick Foles and with Carson Wentz. So speaking of those quarterbacks, speaking of Nick Foles, speaking of the Vikings with with Sam Bradford and Case Keenum, where do you see, I mean, are those guys left high and dry now because Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent? Or do you think that they have a better chance of landing a big contract than Teddy Bridgewater? I think, like I mentioned earlier with the Vikings, it all depends on if they're able to get Kirk Cousins. With Teddy Bridgewater, it was a different scenario. He, he just, as much as he tried, he couldn't stay healthy in the last couple seasons. So the Vikings kind of no choice. Sam Bradford, I, I think they want to keep him as a backup option. But if you get Kirk Cousins, then you might as well let Sam Bradford test the market and see what he can find. With um, Case Keenum, same scenario. Yes, he will be a great pickup, but to keep for the Vikings, but maybe Case Keenum feels, look, I want to play. I have my best season. If I'm not going to get the option here in Minnesota, I'm going to go elsewhere and find another opportunity like Cleveland. So, you know, he's going to – I think a lot of those three quarterbacks from Minnesota, they're all going to be out the door if they bring in Kirk Cousins, and they're going to test the market. If they don't get Kirk Cousins, then it's very likely that they'll keep either Bradford or Case Keenum to, to start because – the Vikings got a lot of holes to fill, and you don't want to struggle at quarterback. So if Case Keenum is your best guy, that's who you go with. Yeah, I definitely agree, and we'll see what happens in the saga with Teddy Bridgewater. Now we go into the NBA for some NBA news. Uh, college basketball seems to be kind of in trouble. Let's talk a little bit more about that, JT. Yeah, guys, apparently there was some breaking news that happened this past weekend where the University of Arizona, uh, their coach, uh, apparently was accused of, uh, from the FBI. Uh, apparently he was wiretapped, and they got him on a phone conversation with one of the recruits where he was going to offer, I believe it was $100,000 for him to come play at the University of Arizona. So, of course, Arizona found out about this, and Arizona, I don't know what they were thinking, Dylan. For They had a game this past weekend, and Arizona, they said the coach was not going to coach the game for, for obvious reasons. But the player that was accused of taking money, they apparently let him play. So I didn't understand this situation at all. And apparently this is not just going on just at University of Arizona, Dylan, but apparently it's been going on at other schools. And it's gotten a lot of people's attention. Not just the FBI, but LeBron James and the NBA and a lot of uh, players' attention thinking the NCAA is corrupt. They're not paying the players. And some people think that we saw this when UConn won the championship a few years ago where the player was like, oh, I barely had enough food to eat and had to study and do all this for the classes. And... We're not getting any money. And we talked about this a few months ago, Dylan. How do you expect a college athlete to go to school full-time? And, yes, they're getting a free education all that. We get that. But if you don't have enough – if you have to spend all this time in practice, you can't get a side job. You can't go work on campus. No. Or you can't get a job at McDonald's or the nope. bar. I mean, you don't have time for that. How do you expect them to make money? And this has been a big deal for the NCAA that I don't think, Dylan, it's going to go away. And the NCAA has to figure out something. LeBron James, what he's saying is the NBA should step up and create an alternative league, like what they have the G League. They should make it an alternative, like affiliate basketball league. So if players, if you're good enough and you don't want to go to college, you can go play the G League for a couple years before you go to the NBA. That sounds familiar to me, though. Uh, a guy named LeVar Ball, I believe, oh. is starting a, a, a uh, basketball league, league. league, the Big Bala <laughs> League. I believe that's what's going on here. Um, but his sons are across, you know, overseas playing there and trying to get some yeah, yeah. exposure there. But, you know, 
seeing this, seeing this corruption in in, in college basketball, I mean, it's it's not surprising. We we you know we've always thought there had been something going on, and that we've seen small stories coming out here and there about schools trying to offer certain things to to kids. Um, it happens in and you know what Jay Billis actually came out this weekend saying that it happens in college football as well. So you better be looking at those programs too. So. I don't think we've seen the last of this story. I think the FBI coming into the scenario um, definitely should raise some eyebrows for analysts out there, for coaches out there, for athletic directors out there. Uh, I, I think that this scenario can get nasty very, very quickly, and I think it already has started to become a very toxic situation. So, you know, I don't know what the backlash is going to be. If everyone's doing it, it's going to be very hard to punish every single team but uh you know it's going to be interesting to find out what happens with that story um we're going to definitely keep an eye on it because it's something that's definitely newsworthy and and we definitely need to um see what's going on while it unfolds there with the fbi but um like i said it's going to be a very sticky situation i don't think we've seen the end of this story so We'll keep you posted here on Out of Bounds, and we'll definitely give you the latest updates when it comes to the college basketball FBI probe news. So let's move on to some college basketball news that is happier than that uh, FBI probe. The March Madness tournament's just around the corner. We're hitting March tomorrow. So, JT, which teams are you looking at to make a run in the March Madness tournament? Because there are some teams right now that are doing very well, and some teams right now that are not doing so well. So let us know which teams you're looking at. Well, obviously, Dylan, the favorites would be Virginia. They're the top team in the country right now. You got Villanova um, in the Big East. You got Kansas, who just won the Big 12 title that beat my Longhorns this past weekend. And, of course, Xavier, they're the top team um, as well, doing exceptionally well. And you got your usuals like Kentucky and Michigan and the Florida Gators, things like that. So we'll see how that goes. But speaking of March Madness, Dylan, are you ready for some March Madness? Because we had some great games last night. So, guys, just to get you started, we're just going to play this clip. It's from the game last night between the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Miami Hurricanes. Here's on the call, Reese Davis and Jay Bills calling the final seconds of that game. Yeah, you have to have it now. Barry takes it for three. Jaquan Newton getting the game winner for the Miami Hurricanes to get them the victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels, 91-88, snapping North Carolina's six-game winning streak. Huge game. Uh, huge, huge game. game. Uh, the other game that happened this past the last night, uh, Dylan, your boy, Bruce Pearl with the Auburn Tigers. Oh, yeah. They played Arkansas last night, and they lost. They were ranked 14. They lost to Arkansas, 91-82. And then the stunner that happened last night, Rhode Island losing by 30 points to St. Joe's. They are ranked 17th in the country, losing. So that was 
big, Dylan. Big news in college basketball. But I'm very excited that we're getting close, Dylan. March Madness is going to be here in a couple weeks. Can't wait. Yes, it will be. And we will be posting a March Madness bracket on our Twitter page and our Facebook page for our fans to fill out to compare against JT and I. So definitely look out for that on our social media page. And we will talk about it right here on the show once it is up and live on the social media pages. So let's move on to LeBron James. He got a tri- he averaged a triple-double this month, which is fantastic. With his numbers that he's producing right now with his new core of players, do you think he has a better shot of getting to the Eastern Conference Championship and then the final now? Or do you think that they still, somewhere along the line, fall off and don't make it there? Yeah, Dylan, I think LeBron James has a really good chance. And after them being the Nets last night, uh, they're realistically making the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals is a realistic possibility now. And imagine this, Dylan, if they get to play against his former teammate, Kyrie Irving, against the Boston Celtics. That would be a great, epic six, seven-game series that I'd like to see. Speaking of players coming back, Dylan, Kawhi Leonard has apparently decided he's going to come back to practice for the Spurs for a three-game home stretch as we've got games coming up against the Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies. So, Dylan, what happened? Kawhi Leonard's trying to make a U-turn, apparently, and I, want to play. I guess so. I guess he wants to get on the court and show that he can uh, he can still do it. I, you know, the thing is, I think he listened to Out of Bounds last week and said, you know what? Dylan's right. I should go out there and play my game and not worry about everything else that's happening off the court. And, you know, Kawhi, first of all, you're welcome for the advice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's good to see him that he's actually going to get back on the court. I, th- I think that's what he needs to do. If he wants to leave San Antonio, fine. You can leave San Antonio. But I would probably go on the court to show what you've got. And so that other teams are willing to pay a high price for you because it's going to be a very high price if someone does sign him. So, you know, he has to show what he's worth. He has to show that he is worth the money. And, I mean, if he goes back there and he decides to light it up like he did two years ago in the playoffs, um, then, you know, I think this could be a really, really good renaissance for Kawhi Leonard. And um, it's a good decision by him. I, I think that, once again... You're welcome for the advice for coming back. Um, it's free. Just let me know whenever you need it. I'll definitely, you know, be that voice in your ear letting you know that you need to do the right thing. And this is the right thing. So I think that San Antonio is pretty happy he's coming back. And I think he's happy to be back as well. I think he's happy to get on the court and show what he's got. Now we're heading into NHL territory. So let's talk about the NHL trade deadline recap. So some big moves happened. Uh, pretty much everybody got traded except for... Carlson, which we thought he was the one that was going to be traded from the Ottawa Senators. But however, Eric Carlson is still a Senator and he's quite happy about that. He actually said he wants to stay with the Senators and play there. He was really antsy when it came to that situation there in Ottawa, but he decided that, you know what, it's best if if he stays there and stays there for the rest of his career, that sounds like. So good for him. Um, But Rick Nash got traded, um, which that was a really big move. And, um, you know, you see some of the contenders like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Nashville Predators. Um, I mean, Nashville wasn't that active in the trade deadline, but there were some teams that were very, very active in the trade deadline. What do you think was the biggest move during the trade deadline for these teams? Well, I think the biggest move was the New York Rangers. You're letting go uh, Ryan McDonough to the Bolts, the Lightning. That was a big move. Uh, And then, of course, they let uh, trade uh, Rick Nash to the Boston Bruins. So the Bruins getting him, that's a huge deal, huge deal. So 
uh, Boston, especially when you're trying to get the push. Your Preds still only got Ryan Hartman from the uh, Blackhawks. Which I'm very excited about. He, won, then, he got the game-winning goal last mm-hmm. night, um, and he, he definitely did some really, really good things in his first game as a National Predator in the gold. I loved seeing him on that in that gold jersey. Um, and the Winnipeg Jets... They gave us Dasty, a, yeah. They gave us a game last night. Uh, we won six to five in that game, and like I said, we'll talk a little bit uh, later in the show with my special guest on the phone line um, about that game and about the Predators. But yeah, it was definitely a really, really good pickup for the Predators. And of course, the New Jersey Devils uh, getting Michael Grabner and Patrick Maroon—that was a big deal for them too. So I think those things are very impressed. Yeah, uh, Vander Kane—he got moved to the San Jose Sharks. No surprise there. And as you mentioned, Eric Carlson. There was talk that my Capitals were trying to make a late push to get him, but the Sanders didn't like what the Capitals were offering. And the Vegas Golden Knights was another team that pushed to try to get Eric Carlson to go out to Vegas, but the Bolt or the Bolts, the Sanders did not budge, and they decided, you know what, let's just wait till the summer. We're gonna get better deals anyway, and then maybe we can move on from there. So that was a surprise, Dylan, that my Capitals didn't do anything when we've been struggling defense. But I'll talk about that during my Caps update. There you go. So uh, another big move that happened last night. It wasn't really a move. It was an, an extension. Patrick Hornquist from the Penguins actually got a five-year, $26.5 million extension. Um, but on the flip side, their goalie, Matt Murray, has a concussion and is, in, is out indefinitely as of right now. So with these two pieces of news, how do you see the Penguins faring in the next few weeks? I think the Penguins will be okay, Dylan. Uh, I know they don't have uh, Mark andre Fleury as a backup anymore. But I think the Penguins will be okay. Matt Murray, he's, he, it's fair to say he's probably going to play the rest of the regular season, but he could be back for the playoffs. The Penguins, they're, they're going to make the playoffs one way or the other, so there's no concern there. The question is, if they make the playoffs, where they're going to be seated. Right now, the Penguins, I believe, are the second seed right now. As my cap, yeah, the Capitals are leading the Metropolitan Division. Philadelphia Flyers are second, and the Penguins are third. So the playoffs started today. The Penguins will be playing the Flyers Keystone rivalry battle there for the Keystone State in the first round. So that'll be interesting. But I think the Penguins will be okay. We'll see how it is come playoff time. But yeah, talk about timing. You give one of your top players, uh, wingers, uh, extension, and your goalie goes down with a concussion injury. Not not good. And also, you lose the game right after that extension is signed uh, against the New Jersey Devils. 3-2. Yeah, they lost 3-2 last night, yep. So big game for them. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Penguins fare come the rest of the season. So for the Preds update this week, I have a very special guest on the phone line. This man's a celebrity now. Since we talked to him last time, he's been on NHL. He's been doing a lot of local media, a lot of press about the Predators. And uh, Penelope Box Radio has actually been taking off quite well as well. Um, He is the author of The Making of Smashville and the host of Penelope Box Radio. Justin Bradford joined us on the phone line this this morning. And um, we're here to talk more about the Predators, about the success they've had, especially in the the past five games, and also the trade deadline as well, and a milestone in David Poyle's career last night. So, Justin, first of all, let me just say, wow. That game last night was absolutely phenomenal, and it was a huge offensive game for the Predators. Yeah, and and it was one of those games, too, where they completely dominated their previous two games against teams that should be a little bit better than they are in in San Jose and in St. Louis. But Winnipeg, they they finally kind of met their match, and they realized, oh, we we need to up our game a little bit against these guys. And and, and they finally did, and it was a lot of back and forth after the first period where there was a lot of action, but zero goals scored. The Predators really did dominate the action the first period, but then 
second period is when it seems like everything started to happen and goals just started to, to flow in. And it's not the kind of game you necessarily expect between those two where they're barn burners, where they should be a little bit closer and tighter given their defense, defensive cores. But it was. It was a barn burner. It was exciting to watch, especially if you weren't a fan of either of those two teams. It was a fun game to watch. If you are a fan of one of those two teams, it got a little bit stressful, and I'm sure <laughs> the Tums came in handy uh, during that game. But but the offensive firehouse, it, it showed, too, that there's still depth on this team, which is very important, and it showed guys like Ryan Johansson, who hasn't put many pucks in the back of the net, still has a wicked shot when he decides to shoot. Craig Smith, obviously, to be a very important player for these Nashville Predators, and they just kind of spread the, the scoring out. Kyle Turris, another center getting it done, scoring from the blue line with the TSF Coleman, and then, of course, Ryan Hartman, the newest addition of the National Predators, getting the game-winning goal with exactly a minute remaining in regulation. I mean, that's a storybook type of ending that you want for a new guy like that, and he's the He's not even the first of a traded player to come to Nashville and to get the, to get a goal in his first game as a Predator. So overall, just a lot of good things happened in that game to show for the future that this could be a tremendous playoff matchup. Well, speaking of Ryan Hartman, let's talk about the trade deadline a little bit. So when we got Ryan Hartman, we gave up a little bit uh, more than fans wanted to give up. Uh, what was your initial reaction to that trade? My initial reaction was, oh, first-round pick, but... But then when you, when you really look at to it as well, the prices are always high at the trade deadline. And especially for buyers, especially for teams trying to solidify their chances in Stanley Cup playoffs, the prices are always going to be high. And the best thing is David Poyle didn't have to give up a roster player, of course. And he also didn't have to give up the top prospects in Dante Fabro and Ely Tolvanen or any of prospects like that when it comes to who they really saw as the future of this franchise. Now they have to, they have to give up Victor H. Sell who decided to actually sign with Nashville last offseason because of the playoffs and the atmosphere and what he really liked about the team in general. And it was between Nashville and Chicago. So basically, HL is going to his second choice <laughs> for a team that, that he wanted to sign with. And the Chicago Blackhawks really interested in him as well. But that first-round pick, when you look at it, is going to be in the late 20s, and if not, number 31, which I'm sure everybody hopes it's number 31. And we hope so. so. It's basically we hope a second-round so. pick. And, and, and you, have to, you have to sacrifice a little bit, and it's a chance worth it's a risk, and everything's always a risk with trades, but Brian Hartman was a first-round pick himself. He had 19 goals in his rookie season. He's in his sophomore season right now in the NHL, and he's already at 26 points, and that's that's not too bad, especially given how horrible the Chicago Blackhawks are this season. So when you look at him having an outstanding rookie year and having a slight slump in his sophomore season, but he's still most likely going to eclipse that 30-point mark again, that shows some consistency and shows a lot of potential for the future. So now I'm totally okay with that because, well, one, he got the game-winning goal, so it shows he has a lot of heart out there as well. And he was everywhere in the ice, and he had zero practice time with the team. So he's going to have to fit into the system, and once he gels in with the Predator system, because it is different than Chicago's, as he mentioned in multiple interviews, that he's going to fit in just fine. He's the kind of player that you know they, they wanted a little bit of, uh, of muscle out there, but they wanted muscle that can also score. And that's the difference between him and a player like Cody McLeod, is you're getting a player that has some speed, that is willing to, to, to match it up a little bit, <laughs> and also can put the puck in the back of the net. And that's the big thing with him and other test-type players, is that he can actually score, he can put some assists on the board, he can also scrap. Uh, so I'm totally okay with it. It's one of those things they looked at for the future, because he's a restricted free agent coming up this offseason, so they're expecting to sign him for the long term and make him a part of this team. And Ely Tolvanen, uh, he has been lighting it up in the KHL. He also lit it up in the Olympics as well. When do you expect to see that player in Preds Gold in Nashville? Uh, well, the regular season for the KHL for Yogurt in this week 
and then they are going to the playoffs, and that's the kind of thing that's how we had to wait a while before with uh, Alexander Radulov when he was coming back over. That didn't turn out so well. But, uh, but with Ely Tolvin uh, coming over, it's, it's one of those things they have a contract waiting for him, and I would expect sometime in late March is what I'm going to expect because I'm going to think that Jokic's going to win at least one round in their playoffs, and then it'll take a while for him to get over here. But it's one of those things that's all up to him. Yeah, and it's completely up to him. They, Paul Fenton, assistant general manager, said, you know, there's a contract waiting for him. David Boyle said, you know, we want him to come over. So it's up to him because he's had a very busy year for an 18-year-old. He's played an entire season in the KHL. He's played in the Olympics. He's played in the World Juniors. So he's played a lot of games. And you obviously don't want to wear him out too much, but he's responding to this experience as well. Like, like you mentioned, the Olympics. I mean, he had a tremendous Olympics for Team Finland, and now he's going to go play in the playoffs for KHL, which is arguably the second-best league in the world. So when you look at it like that, it's, it's up to him if he wants to rest, which would be totally okay, or if he wants to come over and help this team for a Stanley Cup run, which, you know, I don't want to say pump the brakes on him, but it'll take a little bit of getting used to. So for Preds fans listening out there, it's one of those don't expect him to come in and get a get hat tricks every night or <laughs> to put up three points every night. But for him to contribute, he has a deadly shot. He has a great shot, but it'll take a little bit of him just getting used to things. But he has a great, great future with the Nashville Predators, and I don't want people to, to expect him to do that every night. Kevin Fiala took a while to, to get settled in as well, and look at him now. So Ely Tolvanen is a, has a lot of great future, uh, so we'll just see how that pans out uh, in the next month or so. Yeah, Justin, this is JT here. Um, yeah, I agree with your points on, we were mentioning about the, the trade deadline and everything, and especially when the Predators, they were rumored about Eric Carlson or Rick Nash or um, there was uh, Evander Kane as a backup plan. So you, like you mentioned, they didn't have to give up m- much, and you know they're focusing on trying to finish strong this season. You know, their goals uh, overall is eighth in the league. Uh, goals against is third in the league. And then their penalty kill, uh, seventh in the league. So the Predators have done very well. And you got Mike Fisher coming back. So I'm just curious um, with all the changes that the Predators are looking at making to make their playoff push, how do you think they're going to do as they got a very important uh, four games uh, or three game road trip against Edmonton tomorrow, Vancouver on Friday night, and then Colorado on Sunday? Yeah, this is a this road trip already started out great by getting that big win over divisional rival Winnipeg, and, and I mean the biggest part of that is a four point game when you have two teams that are battling for a division lead there, and the Predators have uh, a game in hand over Winnipeg, so it makes it an even bigger lead when you really think about it because the opportunity to win more. Uh, the great thing about how they finish this road trip is they finish road trip against weaker teams. Uh, so, like you said, Edmonton and, and Vancouver and then Colorado, and so Mike Fisher is probably going to see ice time. Uh, against Edmonton, but not sure because the back-to-back if you'll see it in Vancouver, so get him work back into the schedule. But this is a very important road trip because they're all Western Conference opponents. And now while they're not all in the playoff picture, uh, even Colorado's trying to make that push, only three points out of, the, of a, out of a playoff spot right now, out of the wild card. But when you look at Edmonton and Vancouver, they're at the bottom of the conference. So this is very important for the Predators to go out and assert domination in these next two games of the back-to-back. You'll obviously use the Soros backup goalie in one of those, uh, in one of those two games there as well. But this is a way for them to put a big spread on the lead and not just in the Central Division, but in the Western Conference. And so I think, too, when, when we saw David Poyle being linked to some of those big names, the trade deadline, I really think it was him being a sorcerer and driving up prices because he likes to do that, as seen in how especially Winnipeg, Minnesota, Vegas, 
teams like that were trying to obviously make moves to stay in the playoff hunt and to keep in the race for the President's Trophy and the respectful divisions as well. I really think he's driving up the price. There's probably actual interest in Carlton, but when you hear the price, uh, never mind because of what they're going to want for him, and he ended up not being moved. Uh, Vander Kane, we're not really sure if Vander Kane would have been a good fit here just because of his previous uh, tendencies in the locker room from what we've heard what happened in Winnipeg. Um, and then, obviously, Rick Nash was rumored as well, but I, I think a lot was heavily, was given up for him, and it was just for a rental. So David Poyle, obviously, it shows what he was looking for is not a rental player, but a player that has a future, and that's why Brian Hartman was a great target because he's an RFA. They own his rights. It should be fairly easy to get him to re-sign here, especially it's a cup contender, and their, their window's wide open. So why would he not want to be here and another team can't really come and offer sheet on a player like that? So I think this this – this trip is going to show a lot, too, of how David Poole believes in the team he already has, that Ryan Hartman's just an extra piece, and now they have lots of depth. So all those go in to why those big games didn't come here, why he didn't trade for them as well. But this road trip with these next two games especially can put a lot of separation between Nashville and Winnipeg. Speaking of David Poyle, he had his 1,319th win last night, tying the lead for wins by a GM in NHL history. So that's a phenomenal milestone for David Poyle. Um, he definitely deserves it. Because like you said, he is a wizard when it comes to trades. He's a wizard when it comes to putting together a championship team. And we see when, when the National Predators are clicking on all cylinders, they are a force to be reckoned with. So speaking of that, let's go to the flip side of that. Um, what do you think is the Predators' kryptonite right now? What do you think they need to shore up before the playoffs hit um, coming up in April? Penalties. This has been something all season that they've had trouble with and is getting their mind right to not take so many penalties. And obviously last night it was something that was, it was very chippy and had that playoff feel to it because both teams are obviously are becoming more like rivals now because they do not like each other, but they've got to shore up their, the penalties. And that, that could really is something that could put them in trouble in the playoffs because when you're playing, playing teams in the playoffs, everybody's stepping it up a notch. So a power play unit going against you is going to step it up a notch. Your penalty kill needs to step it up as well. And we see sometimes as well our penalty killers taking penalties. Colton Sissons is one of those guys who is great in special teams, and he's even mentioned it before. He's talked about it, how he knows. He, he can't be taking penalties. Austin Watson can't be taking penalties. These guys that are very important to the PK – need to shore up their, their penalties. And sometimes they're, they're stupid stick calls, you know, that you got to just be more smart with your stick. And so I think that's the biggest thing right now is that they're one of the most penalized teams in the league. Make sure that up for the playoffs, play right. Don't take lazy calls. If it's something that's going to obviously prevent the goal, okay, you're putting your team in a good position. But don't be taking penalties in your offensive zone that are lazy calls because the guy got ahead of you and you take a hooking call or a tripping call or things like that. So I think that's the biggest problem right now for the Predators. And that's, that's minor because their penalty kill overall is good, but that's something that if you're going to shore up anything, you got to shore up those because it's better to play 5-5 five and five than better to play shorthand. All right, so one last more, one last question before we let you off the line. Um, since you've become a celebrity, how many autographs have you signed in Nashville? <laughs> uh, usually the only autographs I'm signing are on, on a copy of my book, which I'm more than happy to do if anybody has a copy. <laughs> uh, I've, signed, I've signed one puck. I was in the pro shop buying a gift for, I think, a baby shower for a friend, and someone had me autograph a puck. So oh, was, wow. Okay. Uh, interesting there, but uh, but – but but yeah, I'm happy to sign books, happy to sign whatever. 
You know, I'm, I'm out there for the fans. You know, I'm doing it for the fans. <laughs> doing it for the fans. <laughs> well, thank you so much, sir, once again for calling in. Um, definitely check out his book, The Making of Smashville. And if you do order it online, he will personalize it and sign it for you. So make sure to get a copy of that. And also check him out on Penley Box Radio. He is the host there. Once again, Justin Bradford, thank you so much for giving us a call. As always, guys, thanks for having me. Oh, fantastic. Justin Bradford always has some great insights on the Predators, and we're very fortunate to have him come on the show. He's, again, he's such a celebrity now. He's doing oh, yeah. It. But, like he said in the phone call, he's doing it for the fans. So if you want an autograph, definitely make sure to talk to him at the games, and he'll definitely be able to sign whatever you got. So, uh, JT, let's talk about your Washington Capitals. Let's see what's happening over there. Well, my Capitals, Dylan, so far, or since our, our last game against the Florida Panthers, uh, the Capitals have gone 2-1. He beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-1 on Saturday the 24th. And then against the Blue Jackets on Monday night, they returned the favor. They beat us 5-1. But what was known for that game, Dylan, was Alex Ovechkin and their coach for the Blue Jackets, John Torella, were getting a huge argument. Now, Ovechkin wasn't making a big deal. He's like, oh, we're just talking trash, having fun, that sort of thing. But the Caps end up losing that game. Now, last night against the Ottawa Senators, Caps came back and they won that game. 3-2 to two to hang on there. Uh, Vienna Kuznetsov got two goals in that game. Tom Wilson got a goal in his 11th of the season. Uh, the Capitals had their goalie, uh, Philip Grubauer, in net. With the win, he's now 8-2-2 two two in his last 12 games. Eventually, he didn't get a goal, but he is doing three shy from his 600 career NHL goal. Ooh, so that's the a lot. Capitals, their next game is against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, Dylan. And that's a big game because that's a stadium series game that will be in Annapolis. For at the at the Navy uh, football team's uh, stadium, so that'll be a pretty awesome experience. Awesome. Well, let's move on to the football recap of the week in our segments. And JT, the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. As always, out of bounds here to recap the latest from the beautiful game. And for my weekend recap, uh, it's basically English football as Manchester United defeated Chelsea two to one. Chelsea was up early in the thirty-second minute with the goal from Willian, and then Lukaku and Lingard got goals to put Man United a victory over them. Man City, they won the EFL League Cup, shutting down Arsenal 3-0. And then PSG, they beat Marseille 3-0. But unfortunately, Neymar, he got an ankle injury, and it's going to be out for a while. I'll talk more about that later on. Orlando City news. Orlando City, they had a preseason game against Chicago Fire, losing that one 3-2. And they also played a closed-door match against Dylan, your boys, Nashville SC. Uh, they are getting ready for their opener this Sunday uh, against DC United, so that's going to be a very, very exciting opportunity for them. Uh, I'm sorry, Saturday, not Sunday. What was I thinking? Um, on to some soccer news. For some soccer news, for the Champions League, Toronto FC has advanced the next round. FC Dallas still waiting. Colorado Rapids have been eliminated, and Tigres will be playing Toronto FC the next round. So that's going to be a big deal there. For the NASL, they finally got an answer on their appeal, and as the court, it was a denial. And with that result, that means the North American Soccer League is going to cancel their 2018 season. For the teams, they're going to be free to go to different leagues. As for the league, they are going to just focus on the lawsuit. So we'll see how that carries out as they plan for their future down the road. And the Gold Cup, they're going to do an expansion next year. Me and Dylan were at the Gold Cup last year for the U.S. Men's National Team in Tampa. They are going to spend 16 teams, so pretty exciting there. Games to watch this week. Uh, MLS starts this weekend, so we got big games going on there. 
And over in Europe, we got Red Bull Leipzig taking on Dortmund. That's 1230 at FS1 on Saturday. You got Lazio taking on Juve. That's 12 o'clock on BN Sports on Saturday. First Sunday, March 4th, you got big games. As you got Man City taking on Chelsea at 11 a.m. on NBCSN. And you got Barcelona taking on Atletico Madrid. That's 15 a.m. on BN Sports. Now include Dylan, my football recap of the week. Let's move on to miscellaneous news, actually. Let's uh, talk about some NIT action. The NIT announces experimental rules, such as the three-point line being extended, free throw lane widening, and also games to be 10-minute quarters. So, JT, any more information about that? Not yet. It's not been official. These are just things they've been talking about. That's on Bleacher Report yesterday. So, pretty pretty interesting. Trying to make the NIT more entertaining because... Everyone knows it's they call it the not in tournament, but at least now with these rule changes, people might watch it now. So that's pretty exciting. Speaking of rule changes, Dylan, the NFL is considering changing their uh, ground catch rule. That's been a big debate in the league this past season. Huge. Finally, it wasn't even last fixed. season. It's been several Years. seasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Des Bryant's catch um, in that playoff game. Like there have been several games in the past that have been marred by this whole this whole catch rule. If it's a catch, is it not a catch? Um, and I think maybe the XFL was the reason why the NFL is actually starting to look at it because the XFL said, look, we're going to have very logical catch rules. If you catch the ball, you caught the ball. Like that, that's the, that's it. That's the, the case. The case is over with. So um, it'll be interesting to see what rules come out of that. Um, coaches, the owners meeting um, for the NFL. But yeah. It yeah, good. the NFL is also looking at their pass interference rule. See any updates on that? And they're also looking at doing the Josh McDaniels rule because now that he spurred the Colts, now there's talk that they might put a rule in place where if the coach, the teams can hire a coach now during the playoffs, or before you had to wait the Super Bowl or the team season was over to hire. So they might make changes on that. So that'll be interesting to look at. But Dylan. Who's your winner and loser this week? My winner this week is going to be Sam Darnold's decision-making because at the NFL Combine, he has opted to not throw during the NFL Combine, which is a smart move by him because he'll be at USC and he'll be throwing his uh, throwing the balls to his players that he's been playing with all season prior. So I think it'll be really good for him to uh, to be comfortable in that setting. And, you know, it's, it's a really good decision by him. He'll still stay high up on the draft boards, even if he doesn't throw at the Combine. So I think it's a really good thing for him to do. And then my loser this week is the NCAA um, being called out by LeBron James. LeBron James comes out and says, hey, guys, look, the NCAA is corrupt. I mean, it's he's one of the biggest names that has done that so far. And, I mean, I, I think that there's some merit to his statements there. I, I think that we need to look closely at the NCAA and make sure that they're doing the right things um, for their student-athletes, the right things for the schools, uh, and the right things for that organization as a whole. So I don't think they have the players' interests at heart when it comes to the situation. So um, it's just really interesting to see LeBron James speaking out against them. So my loser this week is the NCAA. JT, who are your winners and losers? My winner this week, uh, Tim Lincecum, for finally signing a major league deal with the New York, oh, the New York Rangers, the Texas Rangers, excuse me. And One then, of the Rangers, it's fine, it's fine. And then uh, my other winner is the Las Vegas Lights FC in the USL, as they are going to redefine player bonuses. So get this, though, if the team scores three or more goals in their home game this year, every player on that team will get $100 in casino chips. So they can use that to go enjoy the nightlife of the casinos. Uh, I don't know about that. that. That just seems like that has trouble written all over it. Ah, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I don't like that. 
Well, we'll I mean, see. it's kind of like having an NFL team in Vegas and them, them saying, you know, oh, well, you know, there's gambling there. We don't want the players to be in that scenario with, you know, gambling and stuff, but they're taking a team there anyway. That just has bad news written all over it. I see, I see a story coming out of that um, in the next five years or so that will not look good for the league then. Well, we'll see how that goes. My illusion this week is Unai Emery, the head coach for Paris Saint-Germain, or as PSG as they're more known as, as their star player Neymar got injured in their weekend game against Marseille. And first they said, oh, he's uh, day-to-day, he doesn't need surgery, all this stuff. And then last night, Dylan, his dad broke the news saying, oh, my son's going to need surgery. He's going to be out to six to eight weeks. And in Brazil right now, they're freaking out because they need Neymar for the upcoming FIFA World Cup this summer to win the title. So, and PSG, they're paying him a lot of money, 270 million euros and $44.4 million a season. That's a lot of money, Dylan. And he's going to be out. They're going to lose him against Real Madrid, second leg. So he's going to be my loser this week. Perfect. So let's go to final thoughts. JT, I'll start with you first. Well, Dylan, my final thoughts going to be about uh, Shaquille O'Neal's uh, son. As you heard, Dylan, he's going to sign uh, his son, Sharif O'Neal, is going to commit to UCLA. So that's going to be a very, very interesting. He decommitted from Arizona after all the issues they've been having this past week. And he's going to stay close to home and go to UCLA. Uh, Sharif O'Neal, I wish him the best of luck. Hope his college career goes really well. And hopefully he'll be entertained like his dad was in the NBA. We'll see how it goes in a few years. So, Sharif, good luck, man, at UCLA. Uh, my final thought goes out to, it's actually more of a shout-out than a final thought. My shout-out goes out to the Welcome Homies. It's the Disney Vacation Club uh, company softball team that I am coaching. We actually played our first game last week, which we did not discuss here on the podcast, but I will now. Uh, we lost by one. We lost three to two um, against the Biscuits, but we play against um, another team next week. We have a bye week this week. We have a practice tonight. So that's why we're actually recording this show this morning. But um, but yeah, so I, I'm really excited about this team. I can't wait to talk to you guys more about it, about what we do in the season. And hopefully we do make it to the playoffs. I mean, I think that we have a good enough team to where we can get there and make some noise in the playoffs, but we will definitely keep you updated here on the podcast. And um, yeah, moving forward, we will be giving you all the updates on the welcome homies. So we'll be sharing some content on our social media page and um, on here as well. So stay tuned for that. Also, I know you may be sitting there thinking, Dylan, how do I get merchandise for this softball league? And you know what? You are in luck because I will be, offering a t-shirt here on the show as a giveaway later on um, in this month or maybe next month. Um, But once that giveaway is live, I will let you guys know. I'll let you guys know how to get in on the giveaway and you will be going home with a brand new Welcome Homies jersey, which is a fantastic addition to your wardrobe. So I think that that is a really, really cool prize for you to win. Uh, so, yeah, definitely keep an eye out on our social media page because we will definitely be talking about that soon in the future. And, um, yeah, we're, we have basketball just around the corner for March Madness, so make sure to uh, keep your eye out on social media for that as well. We'll be posting that online so we can have our fans play against JT and I um, in a friendly duel, I guess you could say, and we will have a prize for that as well at the end of the season to see who has the best March Madness bracket Um, And hopefully one of ours will become the winning bracket when it comes to the Warren Buffett. Uh, I believe he has that competition every year to see who can get the perfect bracket, which would be phenomenal. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll cross our fingers. We have a one in, you know, like 10 million chance to get that perfect bracket. But, you know, crazier things have happened in the past. So we could possibly win that. And uh, if we do, we'll see what we'll do with that money. So we might do something special for the guests or special for our fans. So keep an eye on social media. And, um, you know, I believe that's all we have for this week's episode. So uh, thanks again for listening to the show this week, guys. You can follow us on Facebook at Out of Bounds with Dylan James. You can also follow us on Twitter, OOB Podcast. And you can also email me at Dylan at com or JT at JT at com. You can always send us your feedback, com- comments, concerns, things about this show, um, because we're always trying to make this show better for you. And also we will be introducing our brand new writer for our website. His name is Ladarius Dennison. He is a bright young mind, graphic designer, and uh, he is down here for an internship with Disney, and uh, we kind of snagged him up to be our writer for the website, so we'll be introducing him soon. Hopefully, he'll come on the show to share his expertise in the sports world, so we'll be able to talk to him as well. So yeah, just uh, make sure to follow us on those social media handles. Also, listen to us on WBLZ Sports every Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. And we do get in there every once in a while. So make sure um, outside of that time frame. So make sure to check their website too. WBLZmedia.com is their main website. You can also follow them on WBLZ Sports on Twitter. And you can always see when we're going to have our show. So it's a fantastic uh, sports network. You can check out the other shows that are on there. Um, always great to listen to some brand new sports commentators or new sports commentators you've never listened to before. So definitely check that out as well. So thanks again for listening this week, and we will talk to you guys next week. sports talk WBLZ sports we've got balls I'm Stephen Jodderan from Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast hi I'm Armand Kafai be sure to give us a listen for the best coverage in American soccer Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod and give us a subscription on iTunes and Google Play. You don't want to miss it. Gen Service offers complete electrical service with a reputation based on quality. Turn to them for residential, commercial, and industrial electrical service. Doesn't matter if it's new construction, homes, electrical panels, hot tubs, generators, or a commercial rewire. The Gen Service team is licensed, bond, and insured to put your electrical concerns at ease. For an electrical contractor with 25 years of service, give Gen Service a call at 740-438-7173. With over 30 years of experience, the smart people call on Doug Peffer Painting and Pressure Washing. Interior, exterior, commercial, or residential, Doug Peffer does it all. Is your house looking ugh? Then call on Doug. Doug Peffer Painting and Pressure Washing, 404-966-3361. Mention WBLZ Sports and you'll receive a special We've Got Balls discount. That's Doug Peffer Painting and Pressure Washing, 404-966-3361. We are not Vegas, guys. 
We're just two guys from South Carolina. Making our picks. Doing what we love. That's it. No bunkum, no bullshit. We don't have credit cards at the day. We're not hanging out with Frella Mafia. Even though we wish we were. The Burger and Badass Show. Thursday night from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And Saturday morning from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. Exclusively on WBLZ Sports. We got the balls. Danny, I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get you the ball. Are oh, you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball. WBLZ Sports. I hope he doesn't kill somebody.